we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for April 22nd, 2012. Next article is entitled, Create the Family You Want, Boy or Girl, Sex Selection Advertised in Canadian Newspapers. And this is out of LifeSiteNews.com. In the wake of a new study that indicates that unborn girls are being targeted for abortion by certain immigrant groups in Canada, evidence has surfaced that sex selection in vitro is being regularly advertised in a Canadian newspaper. A fertility clinic in Washington state has been targeting Indo-Canadians in British Columbia with an ad encouraging them to create the family you want, boy or girl. The ad features a picture of an ethnic boy and a girl attired in traditional Indian garb. And I don't mean American Indians, I mean like India, where they don't value girls at all, and they slaughter them, and they end up getting sold into prostitution, and it's just so sickening. And that's not the only place they do it either. Just just beyond horrific, sickening stuff here. And I'm looking at the ad. You can actually see the ad here. And it has a, um, like a Indian boy. In it. But you know they're not going to be picking the girl. You know? And, I'm gonna, and, and you could say, well, yeah, well, what's wrong with selecting the... Okay, well, I'm going to show you what's wrong with it in a second here. And it says, preconception gender determination for family balancing purposes. Family balancing. Isn't that wonderful? How they you have these real, you know, syrupy sweet ways of wording things. A website address in the ad, it's and it's one eight six six, which is a toll free number. Yes, baby. <clears throat> a website address in the ad directs parents interested in sex selection to the Washington Center for Reproductive Medicine, where they learned that pre-implementation genetic diagnosis or PGD, is the clinic's preferred method for selecting an embryo of known gender, facilitating family balancing. Sabrina Atal, the project director for the Indo-Canadian Women's Association in Edmonton, said she was appalled by the ad and that it was indicative of the devaluation faced by women and girls in the Indo-Canadian communities. She goes on to say, girls are fighting for their lives before they're even born. According to the clinic's explanation of the sex selection process, after the artificial joining of numerous sperms and eggs, and that's the key, after they've artificially joined numerous sperms and eggs, so they've already basically simulated uh, conception, They, they you know, the conception process. The clinic then performs biopsies on the newly created human beings, because in God's eyes that's what they would be, to identify the ones that bear the XX or female or XY male chromosomes. With the PGD method, the virtual the clinic virtually guarantees successful gender selection. In in the IVF embryos that are not implanted, they are typically destroyed or frozen for later use or scientific research. So they're basically fertilizing all these sperms and eggs and they pick the one they like best and they just either destroy most of them most of the time. I mean, again, you're destroying a sperm and egg they've conceived, conceptions occurred. <laughs> Do the math. You know, it's like, you know, wholesale murder here they're, they're creating over and over again. In an op-ed that appeared yesterday at the National Post, Kelly McFarlane chided Canadians who might be appalled by current practices such as sex selection in what he called the country's free-for-all baby market. With no law on abortion in the country, McFarlane pointed out that sex selection, the sex selection clinic would be partially justified in going even further. Uh, McFarland pointed out the colossal logical conundrum faced by pro-abortion feminists who have, who are willing to sacrifice other another female's life, meaning if it was a female baby, okay, by defending sex selection for the sake of holding fast to their ideology. 
Sex selection puts, puts feminists in an odd position of defending the value of, defending the right of a woman to decide against female babies on the basis that females aren't as valuable or as desirable as males, because in that Indian culture, that's the way they look at things. Also in China, and this is why they have a gigantic shortage of women in China, because they've aborted all their little girls. Not all of them, but a ton of them. Total insanity. How much more discriminatory can you get than advocating the inherent value of one sex over another? Oh, and yet the pro-abortion women feminists are all so with it, and they're all so, you know, this and that. But yet, they, they don't have any problem slaughtering their own kind. You know? No, no hypocrisy there at all. No, none, none at all. Then, goes on to say, don't ask me, ask the feminists. It's their position, not mine, concludes McFarlane. And then there's several other uh, articles here on that. That they, that they get into that exact subject. Now, I, I also posted my teaching here entitled Cloning, DNA Manipulation, and Corrupting the Seed, uh, which kind of gets into this subject as well, which we will see more and more. There was a movie um, called Gattaca that I'm not, I'm not recommending you see it. I'm just saying that movie Gattaca is very, very indicative of this exact thing that we're looking at here where the birth process the whole conception process is absolutely 100% totally medically controlled from the very 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 beginning that nobody has kids anymore like the way God intended it if you know what I mean you know it's all done with this IVF in vitro fertilization, test tube baby stuff. That's how all of the children are made, essentially, in the future. And they can control all these things, genetic traits, you know, hair color, eye color, you know, they can supposedly, they're just, you're just playing God, is essentially what they're doing. So, going further, now we're going to switch gears here totally and get into what I had mentioned further about the a lot of things with the global economy right now that, again, this is a, you know, as I, me as a watchman, I'm putting this stuff out there so, as a warning, so you can kind of see the handwriting on the wall, things to look at, those types of things about impending things that will be happening. <clears throat> this one is entitled Grease in Receivership, meaning essentially bankruptcy. Planned financial crash date from Bank Insider. Uh, I write you today to let you in on what some of the insiders at RBS, UBS, and Goldman Sachs already know. Greece has defaulted in secret. The strip mining of its lands, wares, resources, and infrastructure has begun. And, in fact, is in its final stages. That is the reason that the current technocrat in power is a former operative at Goldman Sachs. Same goes for Italy. We have already begun the proceedings in secret to absorb more of the Greek banking, along with PNB, Paribus, SAG, and Satander, which are, I believe, different banks. They will keep the euro afloat as long as possible. And that's kind of a key. Next action will be Italy and Spain before the full public MSM announcement of the Greek default will be official. By then, the same strip mining pillage programs that have already begun finishing their work on the rest of the PIIGS. Look for a Euro crash by the end of 2012, followed by, and this is according to multiple sources I've read, and in the financial world, okay? Not to say I devote a ton of time to that, but it is part of the big picture. I mean, let's face it. In order to have a one-world global economy in the New World Order, we're going to see more and more of this so that the, they can be absorbed into the new world order, into that system. I mean, if somebody's in bankruptcy, you're kind of at their mercy, aren't you? Receivership, you know. That country's at the mercy of the global bankers that they were in debt to, or the Illuminati, whatever you want to call them. Therefore, they're going to be much easier to fall into line with whatever the New World Order would require of them, these countries. So, look for a Euro crash by the end of 2012, followed by, in 
and again, according to multiple sources I've read, a dollar collapse two weeks later. I've seen that reoccurring theme many times. The euro crashes, and then you got about two weeks before the dollar crashes. I'm saying that to give my listeners a heads up. Now, am I 100% sure that's the way it's going to absolutely go down? Obviously, no. I don't have a crystal ball, but I'm telling you, the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses a thing is established. And according to a lot of the financial things I've seen, that's what they're saying. There's a lot of agreement on that. Now, there's not a lot of agreement on exactly when it might happen. It might happen a lot sooner. Um, By the end of 2012, I would think would be almost optimistic. But, you know, again, I don't have a crystal ball. Next article. Debt-ridden countries... Well, let me just start on it. Uh, European banks are under pressure to raise capital, and the euro could collapse, triggering panic in the financial markets and another Great Depression. These are all warnings coming out of the International Monetary Fund, uh, which the IRS is the private debt collection arm for the International Monetary Fund, Okay, which essentially owns the Federal Reserve, which is essentially owned by the global bankers, the Illuminati, the Rothschilds, and these types of people. They're the ones that get all your money you pay into the IRS, just so you know. So, going further, uh, these are all warnings coming out of the International Monetary Fund. Central banks have been waiting. They appear to be moving away from the euro and buying more gold. Well, why? Because gold's always going to have inherent value. Same as silver. There's nothing you could do on the planet to make gold worthless. The paper money that they print now is already worthless. If you think about it, there's nothing backing it. They print it out of thin air. It's like if you go into your basement and you say, well, you know, I'm going to, I need some more money. And you fire up the printing press and you make your own money. Well, there's nothing backing it. It's your own funny money. That's what they're doing now. They've been doing it for years. We're going to get a little more into that now to kind of explain or, or in this little portion of the study, so you'll hopefully understand it a little bit more. Uh, so they're moving away from the euro, buying more gold, uh, and while they're on the topic of the IMF, and while we're on the topic of the IMF, as policymakers descend upon Washington for the spring meeting, it seems all about raising money to boost the IMF's firepower aimed at putting Europe, uh, putting out the Europe's de- debt crisis. But what about defaulting on the debt? How much debt can you throw at a problem caused by too much debt? <laughs> Economist Michael Hudson joins us to give his take. He always says debts that cannot be repaid won't be repaid. Well, okay, and just so you know, I'm kind of going from one story to the other because I don't really want to dwell on this, any particular thing one time. I don't want to turn this into like a, a financial uh, study or whatever totally, but there's links to each one of these stories you can explore further where it gets much greater into each one of these stories that we're going to. So, next next article. Uh, on the heels of the Fed members commenting publicly, legendary trader and investor Jim Sinclair told King World News that once you start quantitative easing, such as we've had with $17 trillion, how in the world do you pull back from it? Meaning they just fire up the printing presses, when things start getting bad, when they need more money, and they do, it's basically quantitative easing, just printing money out of thin air, how do you pull back from it? How do you stop without having everything collapse behind you? Quantitative, quantitative easing to infinity. If we've done over $17 trillion already, do you think we won't do another $17 trillion to essentially prop things up for a little bit longer? But again, when you do this, what are you inherently doing then? You're devaluing the money. You're flooding the market with this paper money through quantitative easing, and you're inherently diluting, you're you're devaluing the dollar, essentially. And your dollar starts to have less and less and less buying power. And then you start to see the prices of everything go up and up and up, which is what we're seeing. It has to happen. I did a study a long time ago, the dollar's uh, decline, all by design. And you can, I don't have it posted in here, but it's one of the studies I've done on the subject a long time ago. 
at contendingfortruth.com. So, uh, <clears throat> when asked how he knew we would have quantitative easing to infinity before anyone else, Sinclair responded, how does anyone know an answer to a question? Obviously by being told, by having sources. I'm a half a century into the business. I've constantly kept up with my contacts in a very unique and focused way. Quantitative easing was made clear to me prior to Ben Bernanke's speech to the action in gold. Uh, Then he goes on to say, $1,650 for gold is a comfortable number. Uh, Haven't you seen the tremendous jawboning and market intervention to hold gold in the range of $1,650? It's a formidable challenge keeping gold below $1,800. The true range of gold, he's saying, is seventeen hundred to basically two thousand one hundred dollars. Well, I've seen it a lot higher than that, where it actually should be. Just like silver is so unbelievably manipulated and suppressed, the price of silver should be far greater than what it is right now. I mean, it's not even re- realistically where it should be. It should at least be $100 an ounce. I believe the traditional ratio is like a 16 to 1. And, you know, it's... But again, they do it on purpose. They're they're manipulating markets, doing it on purpose. And again, it kind of gets complicated in how that whole, the whole mechanism works. But suffice it to say, I'm just giving you like the cliff note version of things here. Um, the true range of gold, he's saying, is 1700 to 2100 But these guys are going to try and find fight it like no one's business. In other words, just keeping the price of gold suppressed. Now, gold and silver, biblical examples. Because I've had had people email me about this and how dare I recommend real currency. How dare I, you know. And I just, I I shake my head because I'm like thinking, so you don't use money. You, 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 You live off the land. You live in a cave and you don't use money. And I know you're much holier than me, evidently, uh, obviously by your email, but you have found a way then to totally be self-sufficient off the land, never use money, because if you think that gold and silver are corrupt, what do you think about our current fiat system where they print money out of thin air? Where the private Federal Reserve, which is no more federal than Federal Express, prints money out of thin air, issues it, which is totally an unjust scale and balance in God's eyes, which God abhors. And then what they do is they sick the IRS on people when they don't pay their taxes, even though we're taxed so many other different ways. And the IRS, which is the private debt collection arm for the Federal Reserve, which works, which is essentially owned by the IMF, which is essentially owned by, you know, the Illuminati and the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and these types. I mean, you could go on and on and on. The corruption of the current monetary system. So I would just want to look at those Bible verses that relate to that so I can address that as well. Gold and silver, biblical examples. Gold and silver, as, as is all of creation, are from God and given to man for good use, for a use, useful purpose. See Genesis one twenty-eight, Genesis 2.12. Gold and silver, seed, flour were all used as forms of money in the Bible. You can see Leviticus 27.16, 2 Kings 7.1. The vast majority of time that gold and silver are mentioned in the Bible, <coughs> excuse me, it is in reference to the wealth of kings of Israel or the wealth of the temple of, God, of the Lord. Gold and silver were used in the workings and the furnishings of the Ark of the Covenant and in the vessels of the temple. Okay? So, therefore, gold is definitely the approved, proved by God for men to use as money and as a store of wealth. Number two, people were to have the use, were to have and use just weights and measures in the Bible. The standard Hebrew unit of measure um, was uh, the weight of things such as iron, stone, flour, anything, were the shekel or the talent or other measures, and also used to measure the weight of gold and silver. Unjust weights and measures were a, quote, abomination to God, which would, and again, the current monetary system is beyond an unjust weight and balance system. <clears throat> okay, and for evidence of that, see Leviticus 19.35, Deuteronomy 25.15, Proverbs 20.10. The two evils that are most frequently mentioned with regard to the dollar is that one, dollars are not a just weight and measure, 
And two, that all dollars brought into the economy are done so when the government or the people borrow money from the banks who borrow money from the Federal Reserve at interest. So while dollars created out of thin air are debt, and the more that are printed, the more debt a society becomes. Which is, again, why quantitative easing, printing the money out of thin air, will only make things ultimately worse in the long run, will cause hyperinflation, your buying power goes down, and eventually, you know, if you had, you know, $10,000, it ends up, at some point, having the buying power of what 5000 would have had. Okay, so, again, that's why I issued that warning about when you see the euro collapse, hopefully you will have that two-week window. So, take it to the Lord in prayer. You know, I'm not saying go crazy or anything. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm putting this out as a warning. Okay, so now for a great demonstration of this whole thing, to understand it fully, I give you a link here, and it'll be on page, I believe, 7 of the PDF. It's called, for uh, 422.12, and it's called Money is Debt, full-length documentary. I'll give you the link, it's up on YouTube. It's like a cartoon thing. <clears throat> and it shows the whole concept of how we got to where we are today with the monetary system, which I think is fairly important. We have some basic understanding of that. So you can understand what I'm saying to you is not my opinion. And it's, uh, I give you the link there. You can click on that. It's not super long, but it'll give you a really good explanation of this whole subject. Now, regarding some Bible verses regarding like gold and silver. Proverbs 16.11, a just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his work. The weights of the bag would be like if you have an ounce of gold and you want an ounce weight to counterbalance it with so you know it's an ounce of gold. Okay, so just weights and measures, meaning if you had a, a weight that was like, um, you know, it, it said it was an ounce, but it was like, you know, it, it wasn't what it said it was, okay? It, it, there are certain ways that, that you could manipulate the weights where they say it was an ounce, but it wasn't an ounce. It was a different weight. That's an unjust weight and measure. That is an abomination of the Lord. It's like lying, okay? It's like stealing constantly. So, again, that's that's what they're in reference to. <clears throat> Haggai 2.8, God says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine saith the Lord of hosts. So he owns it all. He owns the cattle on a, on a thousand hills. So, I mean, it's all his anyway. Psalm sixty-eight, thirteen. <clears throat> Though you have leaned among the pots, ye shall be as the wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. So again, a, a positive connotation to these two... Um, Precious metals when referenced to here. Psalm 105, verse 37. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. This is when they came out of Egypt. This is the way God provided them, partially at least, to come out of Egypt. He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. <clears throat> and then the next verse. Egypt was glad when they departed. For the fear of them fell upon them. Proverbs 25.11 A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Isn't that a pretty verse? I love that verse. Taylor, Taylor wrote that down uh, in a real pretty cursive for me when she was a little girl and she gave it to me. I still have it in my Bible, that verse. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful verse. <clears throat> So then Proverbs 16, 16, how much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? So I'm not just going to give you, okay, you know, okay, gold and silver. Let's look at like a, a cross sampling of all verses dealing with gold and silver. What does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says it's much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding than even silver. Okay, so again, we're not supposed to covet gold. We're not supposed to covet silver. But it doesn't make gold and silver evil. God put it here. It's, a, it's <clears throat> you know, it can be used as a, 
um, a just form of currency. It should be used as that. There's no Bible verses in there saying, Thou shall print paper, money, and thou shall use it as a form of exchange for all thy currency. No, it doesn't say that, because there's no inherent value with a tiny piece of paper. But with gold and silver, there's <coughs> always inherent value. Okay, so if we continue, and then these are some of the verses that were uh, sent to me uh, previously. Uh, Ezekiel 7.19, They, meaning the rich, will cast their silver in the streets, and their gold shall be removed. Their silver and their gold shall not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. So, this is the proof text for not ever having gold or silver. Uh, this is regarding the rich. This is regarding the rich trusting in their own riches to deliver them, and that's the very thing that God removed from them to prove to them that it could not deliver them. So let's be reasonable if we look at verses like this. And I'm not talking about hoarding gold and silver. I'm just saying that it is a just uh, measure. It, it is a just form of currency. Far more just than our current system. Okay, But you never want to trust in riches or in gold or silver. That's the difference. Okay, Gold or silver in and of itself is neither... It's like kind of like um, money. It's in and of itself. It's neither good nor evil. It takes on the personality of the possessor. I mean, if a good person owns gold or silver and uses that in a good, just way, well, then the, that was used for a good, just means. Okay. Or a wicked person, likewise, could use it in a wicked way. So. Again, the Bible talks about, you know, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15. That's all we're doing. We're just rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, so their gold, their silver and gold shall not be able to, de to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord, and they shall not satisfy their souls, neither fill their bowels, because it is their stumbling block of their iniquity. Okay, so... <clears throat> they're coveting gold and silver. They're trusting in it. They're expecting it to deliver them in the day of wrath. They're not trusting in God, which is where they should have their trust. Uh, Zephaniah 1.14 uh, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastily hasteth greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty man shall cry bitterly, that day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. And uh, Going to verse 17, And I will bring distress upon them, that they shall walk like blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord, and their blood shall be poured out as dust, and their flesh shall be as dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. So we have this reoccurring theme of a wicked race of people that were trusting in silver and gold to deliver them. And God knew that. God knew that they were trusting in their silver and their gold, their riches, to deliver them. And that's why he brings that up specifically. You know, Now, he could have easily just have said... Let's say instead of silver or gold, they had precious stones as their actual source of wealth. Diamonds or rubies or sapphires. It could have been diamonds, sapphires, and rubies as well. If that would have been what they were trusting in to deliver themselves. Okay, So that's why that specifically is brought up. It doesn't mean that gold and silver are wicked. But if you put your trust in them to deliver you, you're way off the mark. So, and then it goes on to say, But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of them that dwell in the land. <clears throat> uh, James 5.1 go, go to ye now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come un upon you. Notice it says rich men. This is why Jesus Christ said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because he tends to Trust his own riches for his own security, for his own deliverance. And then it becomes a source of pride. And pride blinds you. 
Pride goeth before a fall, and a haughty spirit before destruction. So the pride blinds you, uh, just like it blinded, blinded Satan when he was called Lucifer, when he was the anointed cherub that covereth. And because of his beauty, because of his merchandise, most likely because of his great station of power, he was the anointed cherub that covereth, who was like the highest angelic being ever created, most likely. Well, because of these things, he was lifted up with pride. That pride blinded him so much to the point where he became so delusional that he actually thought that he was going to usurp God, take over God's throne, and kick God out of heaven. Or take over his spot. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty delusional. Okay, so again, that's what riches, not always, because I'm not saying that it always has to be that way, but many, many times, that's what riches do. You start getting puffed up with pride. And that pride will blind you. Pride is a very, one of the seven deadly sins, very, very deadly sin, because somebody that's proud doesn't realize it the vast majority of time. Well, what do you mean? Well, okay, murderer knows he's a murderer. Thief knows he's a thief. But somebody that's pri prideful doesn't see it. They just think that I'm this great whatever. They don't, they don't associate pride with something negative. They associate it like with what I've done. Look at me. I, I, I. Self-centered. Okay? So it's very deadly... And in, in the fact that it can blind you and you don't even know that it's operating in your life. So, <clears throat> that's the difference here, what we're, what we're in reference to. You're, okay, so, go ye now, you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your gold and silver is cankered. Meaning it's, it's actually, um, in some way, shape, or form, degrading. Uh, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you. Yeah, because gold and silver don't rust. You know, gold especially. Gold, I mean, if they find that stuff in the sea, like it could be on the bottom of the sea for... Now, silver's not so much that way. It can tarnish and it, it'll have all kind of crustaceous matter around it if they find like doubloons in the sea and stuff. But gold, typically, you'll find it the way it went in the water. It, it's it's It doesn't... Um, there's... I believe any bacterial or, or, or properties in it that will not allow algae and crustaceans and things like that to form on it most of the time. There's therapeutic properties um, as well, even from an internal standpoint. Gold can actually, um, uh, there's colloidal gold. You've heard of colloidal silver. There's actually colloidal gold too. And, and it will naturally occur in the, the ground uh, mineral supply and the plants suck it up in the root system. And there is actually a therapeutic um, application for it. So anyway, uh, <clears throat> let's go further here. Your, your gold and silver is cankered. The rest of them shall be a witness against you. So if you ever saw rust on gold and silver, it would have to be something divine <laughs> causing that because that normally doesn't happen. Uh, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. So again, are you trusting in it? Um, uh, you know, uh, this is an application to a rich man. Rich men who have trusted in this and heaped treasure together for the last days. Okay, yeah, day, day and times we're living in. But the, they're doing this from greed. From the standpoint they believe this will be their deliverance. And that's specifically why God addresses this specific point. Just to show them it won't be their deliverance. So, again, we're just rightly dividing the word of truth. Second Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having the seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver. Okay, now notice, the connotation of gold and silver is the highest honor. It's the highest vessel in the house. Gold and silver. Then it goes on to say, but also wood and earth. Okay, a lesser grade, wood and earth. And some to honor, meaning, okay, if we if we look at this verse the way it would, would say, 
some to honor, which would be in light of golden vessels of gold and silver, and then some to dishonor. So, again, I'm, I'm kind of trying to give you a cross-section of many of the different verses in the Bible that talk specifically about gold and silver. <clears throat> the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Psalm 24, 1. The earth, well, that would imply also gold and silver, obviously. <clears throat> Luke sixteen ten and 11. He that is faithful in that which is least is also faithful in much. And he that is unjust in the least is also unjust in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to, you the tr- commit to your trust the true riches? Well, gold and silver would, from a te- technical standpoint, fall under unrighteous mammon. Not to say that it's evil, but it is a form of exchange, it's a form of currency, mammon, okay, in, in regard to that. So, we're supposed to be faithful in what we're given, essentially. Okay? Because if we're not faithful in that, who will commit your trust to true riches? So, again, I just wanted to kind of go over those verses because I've gotten emails over the years regarding that. And I wanted just to kind of give a little brief study on that particular subject. So, let's go further. Uh, this is called Crashing the New World Order in Silver. Uh, this is from the intelhub.com. With the dollar as the underpinning of Washington's war of, of terror, silver offers a tangible savings account in a money that cannot be printed ad infinitum and used to police the world through atrocious wars. Now, in other words, you can't just fire up the printing press and make silver. You could do that with paper money, print it out of thin air, and just flood the market via quantitative easing. You can't do that with silver. You have to mine it out of the ground. It's not that easy. So they're, they're trying to contrast the thing here. The truth of the matter is that when the aggressive short positions of multinational banks, such as J.P. Morgan and HSBC, are understood, it is simple to see that a considerable rise in the price of silver means a loss of trillions of dollars for these banks. That's why they're trying to keep the price of the precious metals down. Because if they let them go to where they actually would be, they would, be, they would lose trillions of dollars. Because it would show the true devalu- devaluation of the dollar. They're artificially suppressing the price. Just so you know, that's why they're doing it. These banks will continue to engage in massive short positions that are nearly equivalent to the entire year's supply of physical silver and threaten the stability of our lives. Washington, D.C. does not work to come up with populist solutions, but instead works on behalf of the same international banks, which, as owners of the Federal Reserve, control the boom-and-bust business cycle. For that reason... Physical silver, as well as gold, platinum, and palladium, is a great form of financial security against the economic uncertainty plaguing the world. Of course, preparing for the worst through storable foods and water is a necessity, but holding the money of the people, which is silver, is a direct action against the fiat-based global money system. So they, they bring up a good point here. The fiat-based money system is corrupt, evil, wicked to the core. How much more evil could you get than just printing money out of thin air and saying it's worth something? Why? Because you said so? Well, yes, the Illuminati says so. Oh, okay, Satan, you're right. That's corrupt. So they bring up a good point. Holding the money of the people, which has been known as silver, is a direct action against the fiat-based, fiat like fake money, based global monetary systems. Okay, so I'm, I'm kind of presenting the whole case here on this particular subject. Um, Going further, people ask me, okay, what are your recommendations? Well, I'll give you some of my general guidelines regarding this particular subject. I'm not an expert in this. Uh, I would say, of all the people I know in Christian circles, Mike Slattery would probably be the best as far as doing studies 
on this. He's done far more than I've ever, ever done on this. I believe he's still on Sermon Audio. But, um, yeah, he goes into this subject way, way more in depth than I ever (laughs) hoped to. But um, hanging around people like him and other Christians that have broached this subject and and also reading, I've kind of got a little thing I put out there, my my recommendations regarding this particular subject. Um, And, you know, you always pray about everything. I mean, before you act on anything, pray about it. See how how the Lord leads you. Not not everybody's going to be in a position where they can uh, hold physical gold or silver. God can still provide for you. You know, God's not, God created the universe. It's not like anything's going to take him by surprise. But I've had this question come up over the years, so I wanted to put this out there as well. My general recommendations regarding this particular subject are to buy from someone local or semi-local so you can actually go to them to actually buy the silver or gold or, okay. Preferably do nothing online or anything that leaves a paper trail. Flea markets are usually the best place to buy as it is easier to be confidential and they have low overhead at flea markets so you can usually get better deals. See, overhead is what usually kills all businesses. The bigger the building, the more employees they hire, the higher the overhead, the more you're going to pay. The more you have to pay, that cost has to be passed on to the customer in some way, shape, or form. So if you deal with people locally, like at a flea market, for instance, not always, that have a low overhead, then you're going to be dealing with somebody that where you're generally going to get a better deal or a better price. Um, I can remember when Mike Slattery, when I would go speak at, at his uh, teachings, he had a guy there out of um, Ocala that would come and um, set up his table right there at the... Um, and he worked out of a local flea market, and um, he would set up his table and, and have, you know, silver coins and, and, and um, stuff like that, a mixture of different things, and have, a, have like a little thing right there, and I don't think they charged him anything to be there, and uh, you could actually do business right there at the meeting with the guy, the guy was a Christian, and that, to me, is, that's the type of scenario that we're talking about here that would be preferable, much more preferable than doing things like online. Uh, <clears throat> recommending, I recommend buying a mixture of one ounce, 99.9% silver rounds, which is how they're typically sold, and junk silver coins, like uh, junk silver meaning poor condition Pre nineteen or made in nineteen sixty four or before uh, quarters, half dollars, dimes. They're they're generally referred to as junk silver. Okay, quarters, half dollars, dimes. I guess dollars too, but there's not a lot of junk silver. I guess you'd say in the dollar rounds. War nickels are also good, and I give you a picture of the war nickels, what they look like, uh, and I'll explain this in a second. These are denominations that can be bartered with much easier. Okay, I'm thinking about practical, rubber meets the road, possible end time scenarios where, okay, the fiat, we, we've just seen here that it's kind of an impending thing where, I mean, unless something really, really extraordinary happens, there's going to be a collapse of the dollar. Okay, Greece is in receivership, Italy's going down, a lot of these other countries are going to follow suit. Eventually, it's going to get to the euro. The euro is going to collapse. Let's say if everything they're saying works out, you've got a two-week period, then the dollar collapses. Okay, well, I've got $100,000 in, in whatever, under my bed, for instance, or wherever you say that. Yeah, and now it's not worth anything. It's going to be like the Weimar Republic, where, I mean, you, you know, a wheelbarrow full of money could buy you a loaf of bread. Because the inherent value of that paper monopoly money is finally going to be made manifest. And this is a big way that the New World Order is planning on knocking the slats out of middle class America. By devaluing the currency in a very short period of time. Thus, if you've got your money wrapped up in an IRA or a 401k or it's in the bank, 
The banks are going to shut down. You're not going to be able to get to your money. You might as well kiss all the, the money you've got in stocks, bonds, or whatever away, most likely. IRAs, 401k, it's, it, it could evaporate overnight. Unless you physically hold it, it's not worth anything. And even if you're physically holding paper money, if, it, if, if, if it's devalued overnight, then you still don't have anything. Okay, well then that scenario happens. What's going to be worth things? Well, bartering would obviously be the first thing that would come to mind. And there's obviously a lot of items you can barter. But the only real currency that you're going to have, at least in America, that, would, that people would be able to identify would be the silver. And I don't mean the, the modern day coins because they don't have the precious metal content. 1964 before, dimes, quarters, um, half dollars, these war nickels that we're going to talk about, they could be used as means of barter and they're of a lower denominational value. So, you know, if you've got all your money invested in one ounce gold rounds, Krugerands or whatever, how are you going to barter with that? I need a loaf of bread. Well, here's a Krugerand. That's not a really good fair exchange there. You see the conundrum you could get yourself in? If that's all you had, if you had all your eggs in that one basket? I'm just trying to point out the obvious scenarios, the handwriting on the wall that I see here that could happen very quickly. I mean, this this current system is so propped up. It's like a house of cards. It's just waiting to come down. And by doing this, the New World Order knows that most of the people have their investments tied up in paper, monetary investments. (laughs) The vast majority of them are going to be worthless overnight. Companies will fold they will go down like a house of cards and you'll never see your money ever again. The banks will shut down, they'll have a banking holiday and if you can get it out when, when you're able to access your bank again, the, the currency might have already been devalued by 70% or 50%. I, I'm just saying, do you really want to take that risk? So, going further, uh, these are denominations that I mentioned that can be bartered with easier as you can make change with them whereas you would not be able to do this is if all you ever had was one ounce silver rounds or even harder would be a one ounce gold round. Now, why do you call it junk silver? Well, because they're, they're very much used 1964 or before silver coins. Okay? 90% of the weight of those coins is silver. 90%. The other 10% is is an admixture of other metals to make sure that, you know, I believe the coin was hard enough. Whereas the one-ounce silver rounds are actually 99.9% typically silver. Uh, Why would you want to invest in that? Because you don't want to invest in coins which have numismatic value. Meaning, wow, I have this nice proof, 1964 Proof meaning it's never been touched by a person's hands. And it was actually printed or, or, or stamped in such a way where it had a real shiny finish. It wasn't even printed to ever really technically be in circulation. It was printed special, like a commemorative type of proof coin. Okay, they're real pretty looking. But who cares if you're in a, if you're in a situation where the economy's collapsed and you're in a barter society right now Who cares? Nobody's going to care about numismatic value. Meaning, okay, technically, my blue book says that this coin is worth, uh, let's say a junk silver quarter, is worth, uh, right now, who knows? uh, Let's just say, for argument's sake, a junk silver quarter, seven or eight, six dollars, I don't know. Probably off, but... $7, okay. My proof quarter, for argument's sake, is worth 14. Nobody is going to care about that in a barter society. Nobody. Your proof quarter will have the same bartering value 
as a junk silver quarter. Maybe a little bit more, but nobody's going to really care. All they're going to care about is the metal content of the coin. 90% silver. That's what they're going to focus on. So you understand the point I'm trying to make? You don't want to invest in, in a lot of proof coins or coins that aren't junk silver if you're planning to barter with them in the future. Junk silver is the best way to, to go as far as I can see. Okay, so um, just bringing up some things that are, you know, to think about. Uh, older United States silver coins made prior to 1964, uh, 1964 and prior to that, are now in demand because of their silver content. Many were melted down years ago. At one time, these were referred to as junk silver because they had no special collector value at the time. Junk silver is still used today to refer to old silver coins. However, times have changed. Today's junk silver coins are becoming much harder to find. So, this isn't something where if you, like, wait <laughs> and, like, the economy collapses, that you're going to have the opportunity to pull your money out because, number one, you won't be able to get to it, most likely, if it's in any kind of tied up anywhere where it's not in your hands. That'll be gone. Or if you, if even if you had it under the mattress. Well, I'm going to go out. I'm going to run out, honey. The economy's collapsed. I'm going to go to my nearest coin dealer, and I'm going to exchange all this. <laughs> it's going to be like, you know, the whole Weimar Republic. Okay, uh, if the silver prices will skyrocket in relation to what the actual dollar's worth, who knows what the sil- silver will go up to, or gold. Think about it. If the dollar's devalued overnight which we know it's coming, they're doing all this quantitative easing where they're printing money out of thin air. There's nothing backing it anyway. It's like a house of cards propped up by nothing. When that finally happens and they pull the pin and things get honest, meaning they're going to actually show you how really devalued the dollar is so that they can destroy the middle class of America, which has been a gigantic goal of the New World Order from its very inception... When all that happens, silver will shoot up to astronomical levels, and so will gold. Silver is an industrial metal as well, meaning it's being consumed at a very high rate every year, much more than gold is. Gold is not being consumed near at the rate in industry. Technology industries, there's there's a lot of industries that have to have silver to manufacture things. Silver is being consumed at a much higher rate. The price of silver is much more manipulated, lower than even gold is. It's much more suppressed than gold is. Okay, So there's going to be a higher demand, I think, for silver from the practicality standpoint, also from an industrial standpoint, and also it's been suppressed at such a low level for so long when the dollar does totally devalue, I mean, who knows what it might shoot up to. And then here you could have bought silver at, at 31 or 32 an ounce. It, who knows what it might cost you in the future? It could cost 10 times that to buy the same ounce with that devalued dollar, if you could even find it. <laughs> That's another thing. Can, will you be able to find it when that, when that day and time comes? Probably not. Because anybody that has... That knows what's gonna go, what knows what's going down is gonna hold on to it because they know exactly what I'm telling you right now. And they're not gonna be wanting to sell. Why would they wanna sell it to you for worthless paper money? You see the scenarios? It's a matter of time. What I'm talking about here. Unless there's some totally unforeseen other thing that goes on here. This is the scenario I see playing out. So going further, um, just some general things. A dollar's worth, dollar worth face value of silver dimes weighs the same and has the same silver content as a dollar's worth of silver quarters. Isn't that interesting? Which also weighs the same as a dollar's worth of silver half dollars. For example, ten dimes, four quarters, and two halves all have the same weight and are 90% pure silver composition. So another thing to think about too, though, is if you were to barter and they were like, well, 
um, you can't just say, okay, the weight of four quarters, okay, is the actual weight of silver. You have to times that by 0.9 because it's 90% silver content. So in other words, if the weight of four quarters added up to, let's just say an ounce, for instance, you'd actually have, you'd have to times that by 0.9, meaning 90%, and then you would have, you'd have 0.9 ounces of silver. I'm not saying that's what it is, I'm just saying for generality. Now, silver war nickels, uh, these are war nickels were made from 1942 to 1945. I give you uh, three pictures here of what they look like, because they're, they're different. They look a little different, and they've got a different mint mark on the back. Silver war nickels were produced by the United States from mid-1942 through 1945. The coins were manufactured from 50, 56% copper. Now, copper's also worth a lot now, too. This is why they stopped making pennies with copper and started using more zinc alloys. Because copper, I mean, people are ripping air conditioners apart, and, and, and anything that has copper um, in them, down to grave sites getting robbed because of the copper in the grave sites. They're, they're taking, stripping the copper out of air conditioners just to get the copper content. That's how much copper's went up in price. So it's 56% copper, 35% silver, and 9% manganese. So, again, I mean, the war nickels got 56% copper. That's another intrinsic value as far as that. And I'm not saying it's a lot, but in the coming potential barter-type economy, um, it may be a big factor. It may be something to think about. I don't think you should just discount the fact that there's 56% copper is what I mean, as though it's, it's, it's worthless. It, it does have a um, um, value that's risen and will only rise as things get worse. So, this, what, the reason this was done, these war nickels, the reason they were made is that it allowed the saved nickel metal to be shifted to industrial production of military supplies during World War II, meaning they needed nickel. It was much more important that they have the nickel than the silver. So they actually put silver, 35%, in the war nickels. Silver nickels are distinguished by a slightly different coloration than ordinary nickels and the appearance of a large mint mark above the Monticello's dome on the reverse side of the coin. And I give you three pictures here of it on page 9 of the PDF for this teaching. Silver nickels are distinguished by slightly... Um, oh, I already read that. I'm sorry. The marks are S for San Francisco Mint, D for Denver Mint, and P for Philadelphia, um, which indicates the production at the Philadelphia Mint, P for Philadelphia, being the first coin to actually ever feature a Philadelphia initial mint mark, as no mint mark was the usual designation for Philadelphia mintage before... 1979. In other words, if a coin was minted um, prior to 1979, normally in Philadelphia, it did not carry a mint mark at all. That's how you knew it was from Philadelphia. I was a big coin collector when I was a kid, so I, I, I knew a lot of this, but I never knew about war nickels at all. Anyway, note that some of the 1942 nickels were produced without silver content. These will have a small d or a uh, small S mint mark on the right of the Monticello on the reverse or in the case of the Philadelphia minted coins. I'm just saying this so you don't get ripped off. Okay, So you have a little bit of guidelines to go by. So try to make it as simple and as easy as possible for you to kind of wade through this whole subject. Because it's, you know, it's a lot of stuff to, to, to think about here. Uh, okay, so let's go ahead and uh, I'm going to go ahead and get into the next part of the study here. And I'm going to put this on pause for a second. Okay, so I'm going to play, it's about a five minute, uh, not quite a six minute video from um, Alex Jones that he released recently. It's called IRS, IRS Travel Ban Revoking Citizenship by Stealth. Now again, I just did an expose not too long ago where I totally warned against, uh, warned about Alex Jones and his new age stuff that he's doing with that Prometheus thing. Promoting David Icke, doing a lot of stuff he shouldn't be doing if he calls himself a born-again Christian. But I also glean from him as well. So I've issued many warnings about Alex Jones. I'm just trying to have a happy medium here. Some of the stuff that he puts out is really on the cutting edge regarding breaking current events and this new 
IRS travel ban legislation. He's been on more on top of it than any other person out there. And he gives a good synopsis here, which relates to what I just went over regarding the whole thing about, uh, you know, the IRS being the private debt collection arm for the Federal Reserve, quantitative easing, you know, just a lot of stuff that we're seeing here, and a lot of it ties together. And this video does a good job of of uh, synopsing. Some points here, so I'm going to go ahead and roll this. My friends, do you know one of the key hallmarks of a hardcore police state, whether it was Soviet Russia or Nazi Germany? Governments would take political dissidents' passports away. In the United States, that's only done if you've been charged with espionage or if you're out on bail for a serious crime. The IRS has written a law that's passed the Senate and is now in the House And Forbes and other publications are reporting on it like it's no big deal. Hey, if the IRS says you owe back taxes, you're not going to be allowed to travel outside the country. They're going to take your passport. How many times have I told you this was coming? This is exactly what the IMF and World Bank, the consortium for the international arm of the private Federal Reserve, have called for for more than 15 years. Now notice, this is just what we were talking about. IMF, World Bank. Federal Reserve, IRS, how integrally related with all the stuff that we just covered and now how we're seeing it integrated with this and into the whole Big Brother system control mechanism. A global cashless society. Already many jobs, you've got to get TSA approval and authorization to have them. I saw Homeland Security nine years ago on C-SPAN say, you're not going to get on a plane if you haven't paid your taxes. You're not going to get a driver's license. You're not going to be allowed to work. This is total enslavement. This is beyond anything we've seen in history. It is incredibly illegal. Travel is a right, not a privilege. A passport is a right as a citizen. This represents withdrawing and revoking your citizenship. That's what it is under another name. They tried to pass a bill last year for any reason the president wishes outside of a court to take your citizenship away, and then they say they can secretly arrest you or kill you. When he couldn't get that passed, he just signed the NDAA and said he can secretly arrest you or kill you. Well, a law that's unconstitutional is null and void, Marbury versus Madison. What this represents is capital controls. When governments start to collapse throughout history, they always try to clamp down on people leaving the country with money. Bottom line, the IRS is the collection agency for the private Federal Reserve. Pre-1913, dollars that were fiat were backed partially by silver and gold and said United States note on them. After 1913, they said Federal Reserve note. In 63, Kennedy reissued $5 bills that said United States note on them. And he signed an executive order to begin the abolishment of the private Federal Reserve and its collection agency of the IRS. That's why the banksters killed him. My point is, yes, a country has to have taxes, but these aren't taxes. These are levies to private international banks. Just as Europe admits they're now under Goldman Sachs dictatorship, not through money they owe. Goldman Sachs got their governments to sign on to the derivative fraud they created. This is so incredible. And now the banksters are saying, if you don't pay all the taxes we want directly into our private coffers of the Federal Reserve, outside of a court, outside of a conviction, outside of law, we're going to put you on a no-fly list. Just like Rahm Emanuel, former chief of staff at the White House, said at a gun-grabber meeting. He said, look, if you're on a no-fly list, over 2 million Americans are on that, by the way, you're not going to be able to buy a gun. That is, if you are on the no-fly list because you are known as maybe a possible terrorist, You cannot buy a handgun in America. One of the things you don't know about is the number of people that we have turned away because their name has been on the watch list uh, or on the no-fly list. Only my mom could, but not me and my dad, because both me and my dad are are on the watch list. Now It showed a little kid there talking about how him and his dad are on the watch list. A little little eight-year-old kid. I mean, it's just pathetic, but... Let's go further. So they want to expand that to where if you haven't paid your taxes, you can't buy a gun. Of course, these are taxes to the IRS, and they just say you haven't paid. 
The bankers are taking control of our lives. They are squeezing Europeans with the exact same system. This is hardcore fascism. This is incredible tyranny, and we've got to defeat this legislation that is now in the House. Get these articles and get them out to everybody and demand that the corporate whore dinosaur media cover this because these are internal checkpoints, internal passports, and they're saying they're going to revoke your citizenship. That's what this does, extrajudicially. This is off the Richter scale when it comes to despotic, oppressive tyranny. The Federal Reserve is engaged in a total coup d'etat over due process and threatening to revoke our citizenship and pull our passports if we don't fully submit to the bankers. The bankers are pressuring local governments to raise the local property tax that we didn't have till 60 years ago in this country that turns your property uh, into basically a government rental. This is not land of the free, home of the brave anymore. Okay? We're off the charts, tyranny. It's time to recognize it, rebuke it, arrest these scumbag New World Order people, and take our government back. Because this is all going to be selectively enforced. Massive numbers of Congress don't pay taxes. Most of these federal employees don't, and they're left alone. Criminal Congress can insider trade and say they're allowed to. Corzine can steal billions and lie to Congress and get caught and not get in trouble. But these crooks run the Federal Reserve and its IRS collection agency, and they're saying they're going to take anything they want without even a court hearing and take your passport. You've got to get this information out to everybody. This just proves how tyrannical these scum are. <clears throat> okay, so that was the video clip there. Also, when, when Ronald Reagan got into office, he commissioned Blue, Blue Ribbon Commission called the Grace Commission that uh, analyzed regarding the money we paid in the IRS and it found that not one dime of what anyone pays into the IRS goes into running this country in any way, shape, or form. Not one dime. But yet, when people talk about taxes, the only thing that you ever hear about is, well, you don't pay your taxes. The only one that counts is the IRS, even though we're taxed about over a hundred different other ways. And, and if you don't, if you don't um, understand that or you don't believe that, just key in freedom to fascism. Freedom to fascism uh, was made by Aaron Russo. He mysteriously died of bladder cancer after he released that film. It's on YouTube. And uh, watch that. And, and it goes a listing of all the ways that we're taxed. Uh, outside of the IRS, when those are the actual taxes that do go to running the country for the most part. Okay, But everything you pay in the IRS, none of it is that. It all goes straight to the bankers. Okay, so you're, I, I heard a guy put it the other day, brilliantly. He said, do you realize when you pay into the IRS system, you're funding your own destruction? These are the very people that are destroying us. These are the very people that are doing all this evil, so much of the evil stuff that I report on, on a weekly basis. It stems from the highest level families on the planet, you can call them the Illuminati or whatever, the elitists, the globalists, whatever, the ones that actually own the banks, that control the IMF, the Federal Reserve. And when you pay into that system, you're funding your own destruction. I had never thought about it that way. But anyway, that's, um, let's go further here. This is entitled, Bill Would Allow... Uh, oh, actually, okay, hold on. No, I need to stop here because I'm just about out of time for this clip. And let's go ahead and stop here and we will go to the... Uh, yeah, I don't really have enough time to get part through the second one. We'll go through the go to part three here next. So God bless you and we'll see you in part three.